0: about this crime now. We've got a guy that staged this because he put his vehicle in the parking lot. He had to get his, probably pulled his bike out of that vehicle to ride it down to the, down the street to the boat ramp, right? Mm -hmm. Unless he had it hidden elsewhere. So those are the choices. He hid the bike and he had the car in a separate place. And then he had his little getaway bike to lead him to his getaway car. What was the utility in doing it that way with a why are you killing someone in a moving vehicle and then taking a bike to your to your next transportation what is the utility there why did he plan this killing that he did it in a moving vehicle and had to use how do two we know different... he planned it it
1: could have been impulsive well that's
0: the other thing that's why i'm asking
1: he could be a serial new serial killer up totally a new he's lucky is what he is because he should have got caught but if, if he was if he was somebody that was dying to kill somebody, maybe he killed the animals, maybe he did whatever. It was something he wanted to do.
0: But he clearly planned ahead because he had a car, a getaway car. But to he take really his bike
1: didn't. To. yeah. Well, yes, he, he could be. He could be. He could have been doing that for months, and all of a sudden it just hit him with the right cu- what what he wanted. Yes, but
0: it's still a matter of planning. You've parked your car.
1: No, he's he planned from the day he woke up in the morning and probably months before. Right. This guy had been wanting to kill somebody. He'd been thinking about it. And I can't believe there wouldn't be other ones after this. This is the fucking stupidest murder it I've is. ever seen That's in my a life. It is. I don't
0: get it. If it's planned, this person's ridiculous. Because you're putting your own life at risk. You're in, you're behind, in, a, back, in a, a car. A hitman
1: don't do stupid shit like that.
0: I don't think so. It seems stupid. Yeah.
1: And not only that, but you put a bike inside a vehicle, you got to get back out again. No telling where it went after Across, it wrapped around the tree. all the
0: that traffic at that corner. Yes.
1: I mean, we're talking... This is like a Laurel meant Hardy to go,
0: it, I mean, He meant to go in that parking lot. Because that's where he left his car. That's where he left his getaway car. So he had to be it, in that busy
1: intersection. It's like almost like something triggered in his brain the minute he got in the car and he decided, I need to kill these people, because he really killed them while they were driving. He knew he had to get his bike out. He knew he had to get back to his car. He, it might be a road he drove all the time with his bike. He might park in that parking lot just to use the bike to go bike riding. He might come from a home, want to ride, the, want to ride the island. So he parks in one of the stores, which is the biggest one here in this area. Is that so? He could be living in those homes out there or something, but he wanted to ride the the causeway. You know what so I'm a saying? So local, someone could have wanted to ride the, the area. could possibly yes. And so he was doing his riding, and then it was impulsive. Um, he was just you know carrying a gun, maybe for safety or whatever. I don't know what the deal was, but for somebody to shoot two kids, they have to be sick. There has to be a reason for that. I would have left the kids alive. The kids aren't going to tell them who they are, who this guy is, any more than a description than anybody else gave. Um, I would never have shot the kids. I would have shot who I needed to shoot, and then that's it. So I don't know about the contract killer shit.
0: Maria Dumois, the doctor's widow, walked into Russ Weigel's private detective agency in Tampa three months after the murders. She told him nobody from law enforcement had contacted her in that time. If that's true, that is utterly shocking, and not shocking that she would seek answers elsewhere. Weigel said that he contacted Holmes Beach Police Chief Tom Shanafelt and Manatee County Sheriff Thomas Burton to let them know that he'd been hired by the family. According to him, Shanafelt and the sheriff told him, quote, They had zip, and there was nothing we could possibly do to screw up the case, because they had none. Speaking of none, it appears that there was none, love lost, that is, between law enforcement and the private detective. Weigel admitted that his own early efforts had uncovered little. Despite having hung out in local bars and restaurants, convenience stores, laundromats, he was chumming the waters, hoping to get people talking. But he did an interview in July of 1981, after he had worked with Raymond Barrows on that composite sketch, He told the Tampa Bay Times the FDLE composite sketch was done in ten minutes, and it looked like schlock. So let's go ahead and scrape that hyperbole aside for a second. Even if they only sat with Barrows for ten minutes, which I doubt, law enforcement hypnotized other witnesses to get more information related to the perpetrator's description. They worked with multiple people to create two sketches, actually, that incorporated details from them all. Raymond Barrows told officials that he wasn't satisfied with the composite that he had helped work on while in the hospital the day after the shootings. He said, quote, The forehead and the hair were all right, but the rest of the face didn't look like him. And then he said he cried when he saw the sketch commissioned by the private investigator, which was done five months after the incident under hypnosis. Such was the likeness to the perpetrator. The private investigator rather grandly proclaimed in this interview, that he had found a viable suspect. He said they started getting tips when they ran their new composite in the paper, and after that, he developed a list of about ten suspects. One that he qualified as a really good one. Here is how he was quoted in the paper discussing that particular suspect. This one guy is known to frequent the beach every day, is a known homosexual, a drug addict, and is supposed to be violent. He would drive his car down to the beach with his ten-speed bike, then ride up and down the beach, cruising for homosexuals. The person who gave us the tip knew this guy personally, said he knew he was a squirrel, violent, and didn't work for a living. He fit the physical description, a spitting image of the guy in the drawing. He was known to frequent the beach, but after the murders, he stopped going there. I can't prove it was the guy, otherwise I'd arrest him myself. So the reporter went back to ask the police chief about his suspect, and Shanefelt said, I can't recall whether I ever got a copy of that list, but it didn't amount to a lot from what I remember. Manatee Sheriff's Detective Bruce Benjamin told the reporter that all those leads were thoroughly investigated, but they found nothing substantial to connect any of those individuals to the homicides. I received nothing about any of these suspects in the case file when I sent my FOIA request, so I have no idea if or how these possible leads were vetted. On the one-year anniversary of the Kingfish Boat Ramp murders, the Tallahassee Democrat included an article that spoke to how hopeless almost everyone involved felt about getting any kind of closure on this case. A haunted Maria Dumois said she tried not to think about it anymore. Dennis Truby, a 10-year veteran of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, who had started working on the case a week after the homicides, said, I don't hold out much hope in ever solving this one the Holmes Beach police chief said, I must say, we don't get many calls anymore. He said that they had reviewed the witness testimony over and over, they'd done extensive background investigations into Barrows and Dumois, and could find nothing, no credible motive. Fighting back tears, Maria Dumois told the reporter that the private investigator she'd hired told her that he had reached a dead end, and there was no use spending any more of her money. Russ Weigel, the P.I., blamed police for botching the case, pointing to an unprotected crime scene. They lost whatever physical evidence they had. One thing that stood out to me in this one-year anniversary article was something that Raymond Barrows said. He remembered the man with the bike, standing about 600 feet to the right of the car, watching as he and his brother-in-law secured the boat to the trailer. He said, What was strange about him was that, When the car began to move, so did he. He said he had a hurt foot, but I never saw a limp. But the biggest standout of that one-year anniversary article for me was this. Sergeant Mike Flint of the Manatee County Sheriff's Department said the case was being kept alive by daily checks of information supplied from the National Crime Information Center. Quote, We're looking for similar M.O. and looking at any murder with small-caliber weapons. If we find one, we request a mugshot and a background and see where he was on August 1st, 1980. I started my own research on this case, thinking that there is no way this was random. It seemed too well planned. Two getaway vehicles, the perpetrator brought a weapon, he had a ready story to get into the vehicle, he made a pretty smooth getaway, shot five people rather effectively, and on its face it appears more consistent with a hit or a personal cause homicide than the victims chosen at random. And I want to say this, people can criticize how the evidence was collected or treated during the ensuing investigations, but one thing is clear, that physical evidence has nothing to do with finding motive. Let me repeat that, the physical evidence, what they do or do not have, has absolutely nothing to do with law enforcement finding no motive no matter how well any evidence would have been cared for and collected, that wouldn't have brought us any closer to a motive. That would be done by investigators probing all angles of the family's lives to look for anything that they could find that made them targets. And that, as far as we know, did happen. I haven't seen anyone in any of the agencies suggest that anything but a thorough check into the backgrounds of the Dumois and Barrow's families were done by multiple agencies, including the FBI, and law enforcement has had over four decades to find a credible link to someone in either family. Anything that would help establish a motive. Nobody came up with anything. So now we have to consider the possibility that that is because there was no link. Now, let's poke a couple holes in that drug hit theory. While the victims were shot effectively, The perpetrator was right there, basically on top of everyone in that car. It would be hard not to be effective in that situation. I don't even like touching weapons, yet I am pretty certain that I could have shot those two men and the two boys in the head in the confines of that vehicle. And with Colonel Matsky, the perpetrator wasn't shooting from that far away either. So I don't take much stock in the idea that we had to have some expert marksman here. Another thing that I think we can reasonably surmise is that if any specific person was a target, it probably wasn't Dr. Dumois or his family. Why? Well, because as I mentioned in the very first episode, they had been on the island for a whole week before his brother-in-law and his family arrived. If someone had followed the doctor and his family to that vacation spot with the intended purpose of killing them, they probably could have done that in the first week before the other family even arrived. One could further argue that waiting until nightfall And attacking at that vacation cottage might have been less risky than what ended up happening. An attack in a moving vehicle in a very public location. The choice to kill these people in broad daylight, in a busy area, near a busy intersection, right off a bridge, coming onto an island, in a moving vehicle seems bold. There's no other word for it. It's a bold choice. Almost like someone who gets off on the risk being greater because there were more risks taken in this situation than was necessary if simply killing someone in that vehicle was the intention. There's nothing related to Raymond Barrows that substantiates him being a target either. Only the story of a convicted hitman who kept pronouncing his name wrong after having gotten a note from law enforcement that spelled that name wrong. In addition, there was not a single verifiable bit of information that couldn't have been found in newspapers or wasn't already given to him by Major Foy in his letter. Donald Francos gave no new information, not a single thing that suggested that what he was saying was true. And another thing you want to think about is, in that story, in his biography, Contract Killer, he was the one riding that bike from the car to that crime scene where he was committing murder. So, if they were looking at someone, who had committed a similar crime, they went directly to the person who had committed that crime, but they didn't focus on him, and that's probably because he didn't fit the description of the perpetrator. So the whole thing really didn't make a a lot of sense. But here's my pitch as to why I don't think these murders were in any way related to Raymond Barrows, or any drug debt or gambling debt or anything of that nature. Because if it was, and he knew from the jump that he was being targeted by criminals of that nature, which he certainly would have known if he stole 55 kilos of coke from high-level drug dealers, he certainly wouldn't benefit from talking about it to the press every time they came a calling. Every anniversary that passed, newspapers did write-ups and he took questions, up until he died. In December of 1980, three months after the incident, he spoke with a staff writer at the Tampa Tribune. How could I forget it, he said, He comes to my mind every day, whether I want to or not. I can't forget it. He could very well come and kill me. I never know when I'll be confronted with this guy. He'll probably wipe me out without a chance. This was a man who was afraid. The reporter said his voice trembled as he spoke, about not even being able to afford going into hiding or changing his address. He couldn't afford to leave a job that he had had for 25 years. And he went back to work, where this allegedly occurred, where he allegedly hid these drugs. Like, two weeks after this incident. And law enforcement said they went to Miami. They didn't find anything. So, now we have to look at this crime from a different angle. What if they weren't targets, not in the usual sense, but targets of an opportunist killer bent on killing someone for the thrill of it? When you're looking at it from a motive perspective and trying to decide if, if the, if the, in fact... The, this was targeted or random. Um, and then you're asking yourself, is he trying to not get, I, if he, if he's trying to make sure no one can identify him, why is he shooting some of the people that can identify him and not the others?
1: I like, I'm going to go back to thinking this is his first kill.
0: Okay. Because it's so freaking sloppy.
1: He just got all hyped up. and He got
0: in a vehicle, a moving vehicle and shot people while the car was moving, and he was in the back seat. He had to lean over to
1: direct I, the car. Just That's dangerous to, to... to your own self. Because he thought this was a great idea. Let me just do this. They're not not—they're out, not out of the place yet. I can stop him right now from driving by killing him. Everything's going to stop right here. We're off to the side. We're not on the ramp anymore. The guy had just started coming, pulling out of the place. There was nobody here. you see, seen me we went by there two or three times. The, car, the, the vehicles don't park over there. They park over here. So yes, there were people over here, but there weren't people why the mangroves are there. So. He's in a good, perfect place. Let me just shoot him right now. I'm so excited that I can kill these people, at like four of them in the car. Watch this, I'm going to do it. Bang, 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 bang. Then he says, holy fucking shit, and he gets out and gets the car. He sees the people, he fucking takes off, because now he's got to shoot a whole shitload of people if he stays here. And the doctor put up, up a huge And The revolver only has six shots in it. He's already used four, so he's only got two left. So he can't shoot 17, five people, 10 people, three people, how many more? He's only got two bullets. So he's got to get the hell out of there.
0: This is a good point, but he would actually have only had one more bullet. As I look through the images of the station wagon, I see that there's a bullet hole in the driver's side windshield. The doctor was shot at twice. The first shot apparently not as effective as the second. So that's five shots inside that vehicle, with one remaining for Colonel Matski.
1: So he gets out of there. He's going like a son of a bitch. He sees the guy come out of there and follow him when he, when he goes around the corner because he sees the wreck. So he sees the guy, the Colonel come out. The Colonel is definitely following him. He can see that it's happening. Yes. Because he saw him, okay? He saw the accident. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So he come out from the accident. He looked at the accident. He saw the guy getting his bike out. He probably saw the guy that, as peripheral vision watching it, or could have been watching it. He's watching everybody. Everybody's watching me. Let me see what they're gonna do. What they're gonna do. What they're gonna do. They're all headed for the people. I can get them out of there. Okay. So now I got this guy over here walking, looking, looking. He must have saw me. Okay. So what am I gonna do? Oh, my guy is following me. I gotta go around the back. I gotta do something with the car. Then he takes off. So the colonel couldn't get out yet because the lanes are moving. Right. He finally gets out. He can't. get He still sees him up way up there. He probably still sees him if he had a rear view mirror, or he's peeking back. He probably could see him. So he gets into where he could hide the vehicle, and then he goes into the walks into the parking lot, walks around the back.
0: Okay, but here's where let's go all the way back to the choice of that group of people at that time of day, five o'clock. We've been down there quite a few times now. It's busy, and that, and this occurred at in August first, yes. middle of summer, where it's busy down here. 5 o'clock in the afternoon, that, that intersection is busy as hell, and he chose to get in a car with people, had a gun on him. He knew he was going to make that kill, if it's if your theory is right. Either way, he had a gun on him. He meant to do something, kill somebody that day. That was clearly... He was window shopping. Yes, exactly. And the
1: thrill of a, of a first a person that's looking for a plumber
0: to shoot, even if they don't shoot him, the thrill of having that gun rubbing up against your back. But why, if it was your first kill, would you get in a car and, and need to shoot four, four people, not pick a, one person, one fisherman? Why are you getting, why are you jumping, even if it's not your first kill? Why are you, the, the amount of risk that was undertaken in that in that time with the amount of people, how busy it was, um, the people, amount of people he had to kill, because the personal risk to himself in he, that vehicle. The reason
1: he got into that one was because there was a boat. It was already hooked up. It was on its way out, something to put his bike in.
0: Everyone leaving there had a boat, pretty much. That's a boat ramp. Yes,
1: but where the guy was, was there may not, what I'm trying to say is, when you take a boat out, you can only take out one boat at a time because you got to take this. Only two boats can come out with those ramps that we went over. There. Right. Okay, so you can only take two boats at a time. When you take it out, you still got to anchor it down. You got to wind it up. Right. So while somebody's winding, somebody's doing something. That one boat pulls out. The other guy's still getting out. People are waiting in line out in the water to get out. People right. are waiting for their people to get their stuff out of the water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Honey, I'll drop you off at the dock. You go get the car. I'm gonna go back up and get in line. Mm-hmm. Get in line. You get everybody gets in line and they they kind of close back and forth till they get until get into the boat because we've done this many many times all right so that means there's only two people there and the people that are in the boat there's not a there may have been a whole lot of people after this because they're all starting to pull out but while he first started if he could have been sitting there that could have been the first car that came out of there if they came out of there and he went into one of the side things over there tied down his boat strapped it down let the water out you got to pull the plug there's a ton of things you have to do to get your boat where you don't just drive out and drive off yeah okay so they, they pull up, the kids get out of the boat, The he sees the kids getting in the car, oh my God, there's two kids, there's two people, this is, you know, this is... Four, hyper. yeah. He had hyper, to have seen hyper, hyper. all of them. But they're little kids. I'll get in the back of the kids, hyper,
0: hyper, hyper, or I'll get in the front and I'll start shooting, what the fuck, you know? The, the I understand all that. That's what I'm saying. He made a, a, a conscious choice to get in the car with four people as opposed to a, a single person. Now, I get your point.
1: Single, first of all, it's 5 o'clock. That's everybody gets out of the water around that time of day. And it was starting
0: to get, yeah. And it was starting to get out. If the coming. water
1: was if the people, weather was coming, you got people out there in the water wanting to come out. He knows there's going to be one after the other, after the other, after the other. So that means that he, the first person or one of the, some of the, one of the people that's out there and there's no other people around is so the one he needs to grab or he's going to lose it. So it's one of those. Yeah, and I don't
0: things. remember um, Raymond Barrows, the one that survived, the surviving uh, passenger, I don't remember him saying it was packed busy at the place. He said there were other cars there, and he described a couple, but it wasn't like he said it was a full packed place. No, so it, it might have been a perfect time that got killer, might have thought, okay, right now is a good time before it gets packed. Yes, because five o'clock is when we would start
1: heading in. Right. We don't want to be out on the water. You know, it's summertime, so that you, it the sun's out. The sun's out. There yeah. Time. Yeah, but we don't do that because we got to go home. We got to get kids in the house. We got to get the pups. You know, all that stuff's got to go down. You got to get mm-hmm. the fish clean. You got blah, blah blah blah. You don't get home at nine o'clock at night unless you're fishing at night. You know what I'm saying? We've done that. But the point is, is that's a good time. You go in the water in the morning. You fish all day. You party all day. It's hot. You've got men in the sun all day. You get out right around supper time. It's
0: a good. It's most people are getting out by that time of day. I I guess I just can't get in the mind of a killer in so much as if I was going to do something as. Re- Take one risk, get into a moving vehicle and shoot someone while they're moving. I wouldn't want it to be full of other people. I guess the thing you know. is,
1: is, he had two children in there. That's another people. That's a threat. Gun up to the kid's head. Don't fucking move. Bam, bam. Don't fucking move. He didn't say no. Don't, he, oh, we don't know what he Oh, he didn't remember. He, did. he shot Raymond first. Raymond didn't know what, what happened after that. Right. First. Okay. So, we don't so he do not know what he said to the guy. Keep driving or don't drive or stop now or I'm going to kill your kids. He you could have said anything those kids
0: were a good idea to get in with because that's a threat to, threat the, to the father. The fathers and the other guy. And the father put up a big fight, so he might have shot the boys first or been threatening the boys and talking to them. and yeah, told them to stop. We don't know what occurred after. Well, I would say because the father put up a fight, he killed
1: one kid at least. before. Yeah, the, he the was turned around him.
0: with his back, his, his bare back up against the... A glass window, and he was still driving, and driving, the vehicle was moving. That's well. He would have done that when he shot the first. Now, one. The, the what happened was, people coming on both angles saw the car acting erratically for a minute before it jerked off the road and jackknifed. So there was a fight that went on a little bit. I mean, he, one of the pastors by the shot from the front said it was a knockdown. They were fighting. Think,
1: most people don't think.
0: He was fighting for his kids is what he was, he was doing. Fighting for his kids' life.
1: Yep. But, what, but most people, when they look at that, they think, why the hell is he still driving? Well, any of us can sit here and in this type of a situation judge I would put the emergency brake on immediately because you know always those old. Cars I don't think they were going stayed.
0: too fast because they had just pulled out of the thing.
1: Yes, but I would have stopped immediately. I would have been driving, but the car would coast.
0: Yes. So it, maybe yes, because you're going like this, you and can't he didn't the, pull brake. the emergency yeah. brake down.
1: So and he's trying to get around, and he's got the gas pedal. Where he might be hitting things, trying to put the brake at the same time. Mom, lap.
0: but it was going fast enough that it pulled, went way up into that. Um, into that well, he could have grassy been, area, could have hitting the, accidentally gas, hit the gas,
1: trying to get over in the back seat. I would ups. say that, that was the reason he got in there with four people, was because two of them were kids, and that he knew he had an alibi. It was the perfect scene for him. You get in with one or two people. There's never any ninety percent of the fishing people that go out do not go alone. So you're either going to have kids in the boat with them, or you're going to have true. two uh, men or three men. And or so four if he men.
0: was watching all day and seeing that four men,
1: five men get out, they get in a the car, they go off at the boat. Two men get in, they get in a the car, they get off the boat. Two men and two kids. Ah, I got me a. I got me, if I can get in that back seat. Yeah, I, if I was a killer, I would get in the back seat with the kids. I wouldn't get in the front seat because getting in the front seat, you've got an adult that can reach over Roller the seat and grab your neck. Yeah. So I would, I would automatically try to get into the back seat. Five. Now we've, we've decided pretty much that he got it. If it, If I was out there, like I said, trying to kill somebody, I would be judging the crowd. He might have been over there many times judging the crowd. Okay, And and you and
0: going and if fishing. that's the case, he's probably a local, if he's got a bike, he's got a car that's got a Florida, or maybe from Florida, but not local here, driving distance from here, within a couple hours, like, you know, us, we drove here in two hours. <laughs> to me, it seems like someone, they he's said he had to... on the island, or yeah. Lit. yeah Familiar right. with the island, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he's
1: around here.
0: Familiar enough that he knew where to park his bike, and, you know, which side to park it on, and... To how to approach the back way. The fact that they did not find that bike tells me
1: he knew where to put it. He could have put it in a mangrove area, but if the guy didn't see where he put the car, see the thing is, if he's riding the bike and he's got the guy, guy far enough behind him where he doesn't see him perfectly, he's going to dump
0: the bike and try to get off on foot. So the guy, yes, yeah, because the guy is recognizing right? Exactly. And pull his. That may be what he did. Dump, dump the bike and then pull his T-shirt off to try to. Um, Another reason
1: why he walked back is he might have walked back to see if the guy drove back into the parking lot purposely to see if he drove in there. Did he he see me go in the parking lot? Let me go just check it out. He might not have even...
0: Oh, that's probably what he did. Walked to the end to see if the guy was driving into the parking lot. Because after he left the parking lot, Mm -hmm. he took the ride out and drove by the crime scene again. Yes. He He wanted to see all this. Yes, he did. But he probably left via that bridge, too, that we came in on. Yes. He turned then and went over the bridge. Now he's back in town. The
1: only witness, The
0: only witness that he knew. And he's off the the island. island. And let me say, I think he's probably not from Anna Maria Island because no, I think it's a small enough town. Island. But he could have been Bradenton, he could have been yeah. any in the town. You know, now let's go town. back for one second. Uh-huh. Here we
1: got the guy that got brought the bike. He brought the bike because he didn't want somebody to recognize his car, which he spends more time in. Everybody rides bikes. It's hard to describe a bike because they're all the same. Number two, he picked a person with two kids because if you're watching people, we went boating every weekend, and you know that. For years we did. My mm-hmm. father and I we were boating all the time, all through my life. <clears throat> Even with Mike Dad, <clears throat> nobody goes out on a boat alone. They take somebody with
0: them. I mean, occasionally. You're yeah. not
1: going to go out for
0: fishing. People that live on the island might. You know, they're yes, islands with That's not an
1: island boat ramp. There's probably all kinds of boat ramps up and along down the island, too. So that I'm not, It's I'm, one of the
0: smaller boats. When we go back down there today, let's see if we see. You're going to look well, at. We did yes. see people yesterday. There was. All, there was a, there
1: yeah, a, the only
0: boat we saw had. There was a guy, blonde, with, yeah. with kids. Two men. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And then the, the two boys that went up were two boys together. The other thing I wanted to mention is we passed by a bunch of other boat ramps yesterday. Mm-hmm. This was the least busy, wasn't it? One of the least busy? There was one more that was small that was... Um, there was the one that we actually stopped at. There, there was nobody there. Right, on that one. But it's one of the less busy ones. It's not like Cortez where there's bigger... Well, it's one of the smaller ones and not as busy. Well, the,
1: he, he picked the wrong location. Right off but the bridge, first of all. he likes the excitement. He likes the thrill of it to see the other people watch it. Because remember when we pulled him that's across from the park? That park might have been full, but there may not have been as many people there. He could have done a better job going there than he could have, and several of the other ones that we saw that were off the beaten tracks.
0: Oh yeah, this was a great exit to get off into the town and head
1: out. Head out. But he didn't do that. He went back to the public. So he didn't try he could have kept his car right there in that parking lot. He wanted me to see his car, never one. Yeah, that's that's what I don't understand. Now he could have taken his car if he was smart, if he didn't want the thrill of it. He could remember the little one we went by with all the little camp, little picnic tables there. Mm-hmm. The beach was there, and they the yeah. a lifeguard there, and all those things. Mm-hmm. He could have parked in one of those lots. He could have biked it down to that little tiny place that
0: was all. That's to the what. Side. Okay, so let's stop. Why the need? Why the need for the two vehicles? Why that whole subterfuge? Get in the car with someone. Let me get in the. It was that. That was the bike, just to get himself in a car with someone. Was that his excuse to the get in a car? The was two
1: things. The bike was. Uh, on the island, getting in a car, you're going to be stuck in traffic, stuck in traffic, stuck here and there. You may not be able to make a fast getaway. The bike is a fast getaway, and it's a
0: short trip to the public. So not only that, but when you're, if you're a person who's got his own vehicle, but you hurt yourself, it's different from someone hitchhiking. The perception is different. Right. Oh, I'm I'm not a hitchhiker. Yes. I had a bike, but I couldn't. I hurt myself. Yes. Yeah, so
1: he's got a motive. He's got a reason. I mean, he's got a motive that he wants to do this. He's got it, a way to get he's out. He's figured out an excuse to get in the vehicle. But he's also figured out an excuse to fade into the crowd without being stuck in traffic. Because if you're stuck in traffic, you can't just pull out in traffic. If, you, if he had his car, Jump out and run across the, the 2 lanes. Everybody, way. When you see a car, you're easier identified by the car because you've got to make the model.
0: So this was very well thought out. Yes. It wasn't impulsive. So
1: it would be months... It could be years that he'd be planning this out. It could be years that he... And maybe he... didn't. If it was not
0: his, a planned hit then it was very well planned. It it was one of two things. Right. Here's what
1: it could be. It could be his first hit, or it could be his 27th hit.
0: No, I mean, it was a planned hit, whether they were targeted for personal reasons or it was random killer. Because either way, it was planned well. Or... For specific reasons. Or it
1: could be... Remember when I said he escalated? There's two types of escalation. If he had never killed anybody before, and this was wacky tacky all over the place, it's easy to judge that that it's wacky tacky, or he could have killed one person here and one person there. and He needed more of a thrill, more of a thrill, more of a thrill, Right, more that of could have thrill. been the case. So now let me just now I'm escalating. I'm because he kill did take all all a all lot of risks, right in the front of everybody. Let's at see first, what I you can do. look
0: at it, you think he took a lot of risks. It was sloppy, but and then he, you
1: look at it and said he took a lot of risks because he needed the thrill.
0: I mean, he lucked out. He got away with all those people around, but is that because it was luck or because he really did think it out pretty well? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It could be, it could have been if he was in his. Th-
1: I thought you meant he was under 20.
0: That would be a first kill, maybe. But if he's he's 25 to 30, they said. Now you have to take witness statements really loosely because the clothing. Some people said he was dressed in jeans and a white shirt. Others said shorts. You know, people get confused. But most
1: people who are in random to be a murderer like that, and this is definitely that. Unless it would the only other way would be if he had a vendic vendic, vendetta against them. One One of the two men. Correct. All right or the kids in, in school with something It could have been anything, but it could have been an issue with that, that for particular two people. Those, yeah, All right, someone in that car. would be a color. whole different vault
0: scenario. Right, and we, we never found anything to suggest, suggest that. that. Police searched it, uh, that. Right. I so, think that's why we haven't gotten anybody, because when the perpetrator is not known to the victims, those are the harder cases to solve, because there's no link. We have no yes. links. We have no threads to pull that have anything to this, do with the, the if, victims. If you think of
1: his killing as a drug, You think you may start out smoking cigarettes. You may start out with a few beers. Then you go into something else. You go into oxy. Then you go into heroin. Then you go into you know you go to fentanyl to heroin up 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 until you're getting a better thrill. When you kill somebody, and that's your that's your high, okay? You may kill a cat. You may kill a dog because it's a little bit bigger. A a dog that you know in the neighborhood that somebody would miss terribly. That's going to kill That's going to ooh you know. Then you may try hurting a child. Then you may try killing a man. And you may try this weapon and that weapon and this type of thing. Well, then all of a sudden you escalate, you escalate, you escalate, and you keep making finding your way as to what you want, or you get to a point where you just don't care if you get quiet and
0: and in the beginning I'm I was still it's no trying fun to anymore. right, and in the beginning I was still trying to weigh whether it was just um, it was just a the first time one off um, or impulsive. Nothing but was the fact, stolen out of the car. No money was taken. No, nothing appeared to be stolen, um, and the fact that he had to have put his bike in his car that day, driven up to the food place, parked his car, go, got go his bike out that. of the car, rode it, ridden it down to wherever he, he that might not have even been the first place he stopped that day to watch people. Who knows, we don't know. That's the one thing that's missing. I don't see anywhere where police went to try to locate anyone that saw him park the car, and pull the bike out earlier in the day, where he parked it and he staged it. would be
1: very hard to do, and you know that that would be very hard to do, because you saw the people coming in, and that public
0: Raymond Barrows, the only surviving victim of the Kingfish Boat Ramp murders, died on May 6, 1982, of a heart attack. He actually died while playing tennis, his son told me. His wife is also now deceased. Holmes Beach Police Chief Tom Shanefelt died on February 6, 2012, at the age of 64. He worked for nearly 30 years as a law enforcement officer in Manatee County. Richard Lee Whitley, the early suspect in the Kingfish Boat Ramp Murders, was put to death by electrocution in Virginia on July 6, 1987, for the murder of his next-door neighbor, Phoebe Parsons. In the final episode of each season, I always make my plea to people who might have information and try to leave you with anything that I have gleaned while researching that might jog a memory. I hate to say it, but I'm at a loss this season because I have only covered one other case where I don't think that law enforcement ever had a lead on a viable suspect. That was the only non-homicide case that I covered in season 11, about the bomb at the shop-and-go convenience store. At least in that case, there was a good deal of evidence along with the witness statements, bomb remnants and small clues. But here we have almost nothing. We've got witness accounts and possibly some unidentified fingerprints. There was also that shoe print in the back seat, which would probably be of little help today. It doesn't sound like we have any DNA or anything significant, and no suspect whatsoever. So let's think about the scant evidence and information that we do have. In one of the later newspaper articles, after much of the file had been released, it's noted that no match was found for approximately 77 of the fingerprints listed. Because one of the means used by law enforcement to rule Whitley out was by comparing his finger and shoe prints, we can at least presume that they believe they have isolated the perpetrator's prints. So that's one thing. As far as the perpetrator himself, Barrows described some specific features like heavy eyebrows that curled up on the side. He described a dimple on his chin and something funny with his eyes, which he described as light-colored. When asked what that funny thing was, Raymond Barrows said, I don't know, he kept flipping the eyes. The fact that he had curly eyebrows on the side here just looked odd, funny, you know? Kurt Siver tried to clarify about the eye-flipping thing. He said, you mean he blinked his eyes like he had a nervous habit or something with blinking? Yes, right, that's it, Barrows confirmed the dimple or cleft chin and the eye tick or eye flipping, those are some pretty significant things that would stand out. The other significant thing would have been the New England accent. Barrows had said he sounded well-educated, and when Kurt Siver said, what makes you say this, was it the words he used? And Barrows offered words he used, his accent. It's notable that Barrows is the first person to actually use the word accent. That was not a word prompted by the investigator, which makes it stand out. To his ear, Barrows clearly heard an accent. Barrows replied, I would say New England accent, like from the north. I never lived up north. I wish that they would have questioned Raymond Barrows a little more about his choice of describing it as a New England accent. It's possible if they had done so, they could have landed on some pronunciations of words that the perpetrator may have said that could have included examples of informal colloquialisms or pronunciations. The line of questioning about the accent was dropped almost immediately after one person interjected, Like New Jersey? And Barrow's answer to that was, New Jersey or New York or Boston, Massachusetts. Now, to my ear, accents in those regions are vastly different. To me, a Boston accent sounds nothing like a Jersey or a New York accent. These accents, in my opinion, are demonstrably different. And I think if they had slowed things down and spent some time on that accent thing, they might have gotten a better idea about the perpetrator. Because remember, this occurred on a coastal island in Florida. If the perpetrator had an accent, he could have been a transplant and lived on the island or nearby, somewhere like Bradenton or Sarasota that could have been a more solid lead if it had been explored more fully. I did note that in the private investigator's interview where he said that he had isolated 10 persons of interest and one that he thought might be the perpetrator, he was never asked by the journalist, nor did he offer anything about an accent. I'd sure like to know if that local person that he thought was a good suspect indeed had an accent. So basically, those things that I just outlined, That is all we have to work with, those few distinguishing features, and no motive. I've come away thinking that I think there is at least a chance that this case could have been committed by a serial offender, meaning it was not personal cause-driven, but instead he chose his victims that day at random because they were victims of convenience. They fit some sort of scenario that the killer was looking for. Because of that, I've already begun isolating other unsolved cases committed nearby that police were calling at the time motiveless crimes or acts that they believe were committed by a thrill-seeking perpetrator. I've already found two that I believe are very good contenders and two or three more that warrant looking into. These are all from 1974 to 1980, when the Kingfish murders occurred. I started looking prior first because... My gut feeling is that this wasn't a first kill if this is a serial offender because of the risk undertaken. It could have been a case where he started out smaller, doing things that were less risky, and then evolved into looking for things that involved more risk and provided him more of that thrill that he was seeking. So I'm going to spend the next few months researching these cases. And then next season, I will present those cases to you and let you know what I have found. I will say this. The person who did this talked to someone at some point. I would bet money on that. Somebody noticed something was off. So if you have the answer to this mystery, if you think you know who killed Dr. Juan Dumois and his sons, Mark and Eric, as well as retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Robert Matsky in Holmes Beach on August 1st, 1980, please contact the Holmes Beach Police Department at 941 708 5804 You can also contact the Manatee County Crime Stoppers at 866-634-TIPS They also have a mobile app that you can download at p3tips.com and you can submit a tip there And as always, you can contact me on the Down and Away Facebook page or email me directly at deckerjenny at gmail.com That is D-E-C-K-E-R-J-E-N-I at gmail.com. Music this season, courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, where music magic happens. That's not actually their tagline, I just made that up. But it's true, they're amazing. If you're a member of law enforcement looking for extended coverage on a cold case in your jurisdiction, Don't hesitate to reach out. I am happy to help in any way that I can. Thank you guys so much for listening. You'll hear me next season. Bye.